to be in Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to be in Acts 20, and we're going to get going. Matthew 7 says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. For the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. For the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. For when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Acts 20 says this, starting in verse uh, 22, verse 22. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus and to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Chains and tribulations, they await me, but none of these things move me. In other words, what's he saying? Difficult times are ahead. Hard moments are ahead. There'll be things that take you off guard that are ahead. There will be pain. There will be heartache. There will be frustration. There will be irritation. There will be things that you were not ready for. There will be things that come from, from right out from left field that, that, that you don't think that you were prepared, prepared for. But what he goes on to say, but none of these things move me. None of these things moved me. Why? Because he knew who it was that was working in him and why he was even where he was. Lord, I pray for this day. God, I pray for these next few moments. God, that you would just uh, open up the hearts of your people. God, that we would just kind of lean in, open up our hearts to hear something from you. God, I don't have the power to change people. And uh, Lord, we don't have the power as a church to change people. So we invite you into the room. God, to do what you can do. God, I pray for every person here today, whatever it is that they have in their life, do not let them leave the same way that they came. But God, let us encounter your grace today in such a way, in such a way, God, that it will change us from the inside out. And God, I thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody says, amen, amen. I'm gonna preach to you from the subject uh, of the D word. Uh, the D word, if you're taking notes, the D word. Uh, how many people um, ha- have ever let your feelings control you before? H- how many people could say that you control your feelings? Not very many. A lot of times we let our feelings control us, don't we? We, we let, uh, how about at a basketball game? You ever been at a basketball game before and you ruined your witness because your daughter's team got beat? I've been there before this year. I ruined my witness a few times. I let my feelings control me. Maybe, maybe an argument at your house. You, you and your, your spouse were, were getting into it, and you let your feelings control you. Maybe you were at your job, and you were getting into it with one of your coworkers, and you let your feelings control you. Maybe, maybe you, you were uh, in traffic, and somebody cut you off, and you let your feelings, finger, control you. <laughs> Because one thing I want to tell you about feelings are, feelings will lie to you. 
Feelings will, will, will lie to you every time. I love how people say, well, I feel like this. And I feel like that. Well, listen, your feelings will absolutely lie to you. They, they will tell you that you're better than you really are. And then they'll also tell you that you're worse than you really are. They're your feelings. Feelings are based on an emotion. Feelings, feelings don't do anything for you but take you down a road that you don't even want to walk down to because feelings will lie to you. But yet as people, we get trapped up, all wrapped up in our feelings, so much so that our friend Drake wrote a song about it. In my feelings. Trapped up in my feelings, right? What's the song? Do you love me? I don't even know because I'm saved. Y'all ain't even saved. I just was trekking y'all. <laughs> But isn't it our feelings? See, our feelings, that they will lie to you. They will, they, they will take you places that you really don't want, want to, to walk down. Can I, can I tell you that if you're basing your relationship with Jesus Christ based on your feelings, you might as well check about the game today because your feelings will lie to you. The enemy, the enemy will speak to you based on how you feel. How many people have ever felt saved before, but then how many people felt, did I get saved? You felt lost before. Sometimes you feel addicted sometimes. Some, sometimes you, you ain't addicted, but you feel like you're addicted. Sometimes you, you, you feel like you're a failure, but you're not a failure. You're just in the middle of a struggle. And so there are differences in how you, you feel. Your faith cannot be built on how you feel. Your faith has no bearing based on how you feel today. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter today. I don't care how you feel today. Because it doesn't matter, to, and Jesus doesn't care how I feel today. If I don't, just because I don't feel like serving him doesn't mean I can quit and not serve him. Just because I don't feel like bringing my best today to the church doesn't mean that I'm not, I'm not forced by the power of the Holy Spirit in me that brings my best into the house. Just because I don't feel like it. Well, they didn't sing my songs today, so I don't really want to feel like raising my hands. I don't feel like it. It's cold outside. I don't feel like coming to church. I don't feel like serving in our church. I don't feel like raising my hand. I don't feel like clapping my hands. I don't feel like doing anything that stretches me to the place where I'm a little bit uncomfortable. So, so, so the D word, the D word, what's the D word? It's not what you sinners think it is. It's called discipline. It's called discipline. Because in a culture today, we don't like the D word. And you can't spell discipline without the, the word disciple. So I thought about preaching discipleship, but I thought, well, let's just, let's just not do that. Let's talk about the D word called discipline. So we have a culture that we want a quick fix. We want a quick turn. We want, we want, to, we, we want to lose weight, but we don't want to put it in the work. We want to pop the pill. Because we ain't got discipline. We want to commit to serving Jesus, but we only want to come to church once a month because we lack discipline. And a lot of times we play the feeling card, and so Jesus saves you and redeems you and sets you free from the needle or from a pill or from some form of addiction. And then we blame it on Jesus because he didn't really set us free, but Jesus did not go back to the dealer to get the needle you did. Jesus didn't stop at the 7-Eleven to buy the case of beer. You did. Jesus didn't log on to the computer and go to that site. You did. You were set free. You did experience forgiveness. You, you did experience the power of God in your life that day. 
but you ain't disciplined enough to follow through. Is this too hard today? Because I feel like, I feel like what, what will sink you quicker than anything is just, just going through life feeling your way through faith. I'm sure every great hero of the Bible didn't really enjoy the call that God placed in their life. I can go through all of them. I'm sure Daniel loved to be thrown in the lion's den. How would you like to be thrown in the den with three hungry lions? But he was disciplined enough to do it. Not only be in the pit, not only, not only be in the den, but to pray and, and worship God through the night that he shut the mouth of the hungry lion. When's the last time you went through a trial in the den with hungry lions and didn't get on Facebook to tell everybody that you were in it? But yet, but yet, but yet, but yet you was in the, you was in the den with hungry lions and you said, ah, they don't need to know about it. My God does. I'm going to seek God's face today. So, so you got to learn to be disciplined. How about, how about Noah when he built that ark? He had to be disciplined, right? He had to have discipline to keep hammering the nails. I mean, come on, when's the last time God told you to do something that you gave up months ago because you never saw the fruit from it? What if Noah would have stopped building the ark after two weeks of pounding the nails and ordering the lumber? Oh, God, you must be insane. There's no rain falling. We wouldn't be here today. But yet Noah, by faith, kept hammering the nails. I'm sure you look at Nehemiah when he was called to rebuild the city and rebuild the wall. I'm sure there were moments when he felt like giving up. The moment he started trying to rebuild what God told him to rebuild was with a moment when people sent negativity into his life. And I'm sure like he thought, well, it'd be easy if I would quit. I could be like everybody else and we could just walk by and step over the rubble that we've been stepping over and not caring about our city and not caring about any of the people that are in our city. And I could be like everybody else and just step over the rubble. But he said, no, there's something different about me. I'm disciplined to the call that's placed in my life. How about Moses? Moses had discipline. Moses didn't reach the promise, but he had discipline. Moses, when he was called by God, he had a stuttering problem. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't speak. He, he wasn't a leader to himself. He, 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 he doubted in, in himself if he was capable of doing what he was called to do. And, and yet, do you know how many people know Moses had discipline to keep doing what he was called to do and taking care of multi-millions of gr grumbling people? He was disciplined to the call. Millions of people were, that Moses was leading. He was disciplined on and on and on and on we can go. We can, we can go to every great hero of the Bible and it would be narrowed down to one thing, discipline. And many times today we don't have discipline when it comes to our faith. We're not disciplined when it comes to Christianity. We're saved on Sunday but live like hell on Monday. We dress the part on Sunday, but, but blend in like everybody else on Monday. We're not disciplined. We read the word because we put it on the screen for you on Sunday. But your Bible's got dust on it because you never picked it up on Monday. I feel like I'm going hard school. Hard. This is too hard. Because I feel like I, th th there's got to be a discipline born within the life of a, of a believer. And you cannot have discipline without struggle. The moment that you face struggle, most people would retreat and say it's not worth it. But when you are a disciplined person and a disciplined believer, you just understand that struggle is part of the equation to true change in your life. So, so the Bible talks about like a lot of things. It talks about uh, building your, your, your life on, on the solid rock and then one, one, one guy chose to do that, another guy chose to build it 
on the sand. One place, I think it's in Hebrews or Romans 1, it says not only to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And as a lot of us love to hear the word, but we don't like to do the word. We, we love to hear the word. Oh, I can't wait to come to church. What's preacher got for me today? Oh, I can't wait to hear the word. I'm going to come four times because I like to hear the word. Oh, I like to watch TBN because I like to hear the word. Just, let, just feed me. I left my church because he didn't feed me. So I come to your church, so hopefully you'll feed me. I just want to hear the word. But hearing the word does nothing for you. Well, preacher, what about the Bible verse that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Okay, let's talk about it. But why do you need faith if you're too lazy to take a step? Because all you want to do is hear the word. I want to hear the word. And so what, what we have in church today is a lot of overweight, fat Christians <laughs> who are fat on the word, but weak in the faith. Ain't nobody going to talk today. We have a lot of Christians that all that we do is blow ourselves up, fat on scripture. We know what the word says. We, we know what the word says, but we're weak in faith. We'll, we'll eat the word, but we won't take a step. We'll eat the word, but we won't love our neighbor. Oh, we'll eat the word, but we won't give any offering. Oh, we'll eat the word, but we won't forgive our transgressors. We'll eat the word, but we won't love our enemy. We'll eat the word. Is this making sense? Josh, hand me some of this stuff. And so what happens is you hear, you, you hear one at a time. You hear the word, and so you hear the word, and now you're ready to go to work. And so when you hear the word, you got to be doers of the word. So you, I heard the word. I came on Sunday. This is so good. I love the word. The word fills me up. Now I've got the tools to start working my life. I've got some tools to start digging some foundations. I heard the word. Give me another one. I love the word. As a matter of fact, I'm going to listen to the word on the way home today. Give me another one. I love the word. I absolutely love the preaching of the word of God. Bless Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, I've got enemies will come at me one way, but they'll flee going seven because I love the word. And all of a sudden, this is what some of us look like. Come on, I'm going to see if I can keep going. And this is what a lot of us come to church. You've got every tool that you need to build your life in a way that, yet that no storm can wreck your life. Give me another one because I love the word. Oh, that's a heavy one there. Jesus, help me, Lord. Hey, next service, I'm having somebody come up here and do this for me. So this is what we look like. Preacher, what do you got for me today? I love that word. Oh, you do such a great job. I mean, you preach it in such a way that, that my first grade child loves to come hear you. Thank you for the compliment. It really means a lot that your child likes it. Maybe I should just go lead TW Kids because I, I, I love the word. Oh, no, just one at a time. You can't trick me on that. And so here we come into church. This is what you look at. You're trying to juggle because you got so much word in you. You got so much word that you've been given tools. Some of you have been to church for 40 years. And you've got every tool you need to do what God's called you to do. But some of us are only content by only coming to church and hearing the word. But never doing the word. 
Can I tell you from the mouth of a preacher that everything Jesus wants you to do will not be easy? A lot of times you sign up for, for serve Christ because you think it's easy. One more. Whew. But Jesus, he'll tell you things like this in the scripture. Hey, I need you to walk that second mile with that person. What do you mean? I got them to church. They got saved. Can't, can't they figure it out on their own? I, don't, I need you to walk the second mile. No, I don't have time for that. I, I, I reached out. I stretched my hand. I got them to church. And they, 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 received, they received salvation. Now, 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 now let the small group do what the small group is supposed to do. No, no, no. I need you to take him by the hand and walk with him the second mile. That's what Jesus would say. See, Jesus says things like, I need you to bless those that curse you. Oh, you want me to do what? Beat those that curse me? What? Oh, you want me to bless those that curse me? Now, wait a minute. That, that, that's counterculture to what, what, what everybody does today. The moment we don't agree with something, we get on our, our social media accounts and we just tell people how we feel. But now Jesus says to, to, to bless those that, that curse you. He, he says things like, you need to tur turn the other cheek. Man, you want me to do what? See, because some of you only hear the word, but you never do the word. And Jesus, Jesus following him, nothing that you'll ever do will ever be easy. And here's the thing, this is really getting heavy. And, and I'm just going to take, come here, Josh, help me out, man. Just look at me like, I, just come on up here, you need help. Take everything off but one. Now don't, you're not going to show me up in front of all these people. You take one off at a time. That's not how we're not going to edify you in front of the whole, whole body. I edify Jesus. That's it. Get off the stage. You ruined your chance. I need some humble person to come over and help me. Come here, bro. Yeah, come here. You're, you're big. You're way stronger than he is. You can take all these off of me for sure. Got him? Thank you, man. Told you it's heavy, wasn't it? See? It is heavy. Tell everybody it's really heavy. And the thing is, bro, you only got half of what I was carrying. And see, some of you are carrying around way more weight than you need because all you really need is one tool. If I'm going to dig a foundation, I don't need multiple shovels. I don't need multiple tools. I just need one. So everything that Jesus would want you to do, everything that he asks you to do in the life of a believer, it is not an easy thing to do. But if you get trapped up in your feelings... That's why many Christians walk around trapped in unforgiveness because you don't feel like forgiving your ex. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like dying on the cross that day, but he did it anyway. I'm sure he really didn't feel like taking the nails in his hands and the nails through his feet. I'm sure he didn't like to be thrown on the whipping post that day and having people... Soldiers spit on him and kick him and abuse him and to take that cat of nine tails which is bone and glass and all types of sharp, sharp objects wrapped into a, to a rope. And I'm sure he didn't really lay, like to lay there as they took that whip and as it sunk into his back. I'm sure he didn't like the feeling that it took when they ripped it off of his back and chunks of his flesh began to fly. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like staying there. But he did it. And so how do we as Christian people allow our feelings to get in between 
what God expects and, and, and really demands us to do as, as believers. Because a lot of us like to hear the word, but not to be doers of the word. A lot of us like to come and hear the message, but not apply the message. Like I like it when I see people share the message and they tag one of their friends in it. You ever did that before? Like, hey, this is so great, you need to hear it. Well, how about you, did you not need to hear the word? Oh, because you're, you're not a doer, you're just a hearer. Because some of the message that you guys share for somebody else really was, was meant for you. But you don't feel like it was meant for you, but Jesus wrapped it in a big old fancy bow in a box and delivered it right into your lap on Sunday morning. But you didn't feel like that was for me. Because he treated me bad. He hasn't paid child support in 20 years. And so we, we get our defense built up as to why we can't forgive somebody that's done us wrong. Nowhere in the scripture does it ever say, if, he, if, if somebody does a lot to you, then don't forgive them. No, no, it says forgive those. It goes on to say this 70 times 7. That's a lot of times somebody can wrong you in one day. How many times do I forgive them? Seven times? No, Jesus said 70 times seven. And what he's saying? Who cares about your feelings? Like, this is, this, this, is, this is what I'm calling you to be. This is who I'm calling you, you to become. And so this scripture, let me try to tie it all together. So in Acts 20, we see Paul talking about none of these things move me. Why? Because I'm anchored. I'm fixed to the rock. Matthew, the Bible says in Matthew that, that, a, that a wise man began to build his house on a firm foundation. But a foolish man built his house upon the sand. Can, can, I, can I tell you, I've never seen this before until this week, that I always would preach this, this type of sermon and tell you it's all, all about the soil. That is that you have to find rocky soil. You've got to find the solid ground, and you can choose to build it on the sandy ground or the rocky ground. But can, 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 I, can, I, can I tell you what I feel like the Holy Spirit told me? Is that the only way the one guy got to the rock was he was, he, he was willing to dig through the sand? Most of you don't have a firm foundation because you don't have enough D-word discipline to dig through the sand. You ever been to the beach and got sand in places that you wish it wasn't in there? Like it get, rubs you raw sometimes? Nobody been to the beach before, I guess. Unless this is a conversation today. You ever got that sand up in your drawers at the beach when you're out? You just, some salt, some sand? And it just kind of, you know, it leaves a rash sometimes and it just irritates you. You've got to go wash it off. And I feel like sometimes when we're building a faith in Christ that, that, that some of us do not want to, to get that irritation that the sand brings. Because when you start digging in the soil, you've got to start breaking up some stuff. So first thing I want to tell you is you, gotta, you have to be willing to dig it out. You've got to be willing to dig out some of the stuff that you've been currently building your life on. Some of you have built your life on so many other things other than God, and you've got to dig that out. Like, you've got to dig it out. You'll get to the rock, but you've got to go through some, so now you've got to go through some, some, some manure, because you've been building it on stuff that shouldn't be there. Some of you've got to get through some old relationships, because you've been building on something that you shouldn't have tried to build it on. Some of you, you've, you've got to be willing to get through that sandy soil, that irritating soil, those, those things that when you start digging it up, sometimes you don't dig up the soil because you, you don't want to mess with what's underneath. But any great house is only as good as the foundation that is laid. Come on. When's the last time you saw somebody building a house and stopped and said, man, that is a beautiful foundation? Right? 
Never. Man, that is beautiful. Look how nice that is. No. No, we don't, we don't ever compliment the foundation. But as a culture, we love to compliment what's above the foundation. Oh, that's such a beautiful, that's such a beautiful house. Look at the, look at the landscaping. Look at the brick texture. Oh my, look at the beautiful windows. But none of that would be able to stand if it wasn't built on a solid foundation. And nobody ever wants to compliment. And here's the thing, the foundation, you, you have to be willing to endure even when people don't notice. Let me, let me help you. The only way that foundation takes place is when what you hear takes on an action and the action says the process has started. You can try to build a house, but you can't. Once you lay that foundation and pour that foundation, you have to give it time to settle. You gotta give it time to cure. You gotta give it time for it to grab hold of the rebar that was laid before the foundation was poured. You have to give it time. If you build too quick, too fast, the house will fall. What do I see with a lot of Christian people in our church? We build really fast, really quick, but no foundation and they crumble. They're here for three months and they're gone. Church is just not for me. It's not that God didn't have an encounter, it's not that Jesus didn't save them, but they tried to build too high, too fast without putting in a foundation. They weren't willing to dig through the sand and to dig through the dirt, right? Like you have to dig down in the ground before you can build, you, that you, before you can build up. And the same thing with, within a Christian life. If you don't, aren't willing to dig down in your heart, if you're not willing to dig down in your soul, in other words, the Bible says things like this, you're to die to yourself daily. That ain't talked about in church today. What's that mean? Die to myself daily. That means that you put his will above yours. What are you doing? You're digging that foundation of faith. He would say things like, take up your cross daily. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to, to, to remember every day of what price I paid, and I want you to be willing to lay down your wants, your desires, your preferences, your, your attitude. I want you to, to every day pick up that cross and follow after me. In other words, I don't care how you feel. I don't care if you feel like following me today. By faith, you're going to follow me today. And so, so, so with the first thing, you have to dig it out. You've got to be willing to put your shovel in the ground. And here's the, here's the thing, let me warn you. When you start putting the, the shovel to the soil, all hell begins to break loose. And you'll think, wow, the devil is loose in my life. No, it's not the devil, it's the shovel. Because when you start digging in the ground, there will be some people you were rolling with that have no place in your life to begin with. There are some things when you start putting the shovel to the soil. There are some relationships that you're in today that you can't be in tomorrow. And if you're not careful, you'll blame the devil. Then the devil had nothing to do with it. It's all about the shovel when you start digging down and trying to build a firm foundation built upon Jesus Christ. You've got to be willing to dig it out. You've got to be willing to dig it out, and I would say pour it thick. Like, I want my foundation poured thick. Like, I don't want, hey, listen, if you're going to skimp on anything, we'll skimp on the carpet inside the house. But I want that foundation poured thick. How do you pour it thick? You get the word, and you put it in thick to your heart. You, 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 you change the dial of your radio station in your car. You probably don't even have one of those things anymore. Back when I was, you had to change the dial like this. 
You still change? You probably don't even do that no more. We don't even have radios in the car no more. You just get our cell phone and plug it into the car and you just don't change the dial. You just change the person. What are you trying to say? I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm trying to say. You need to change the music that you listen to. What are you trying to do? I'm trying to pour it thick. I'm trying to build such a foundation that my son will stand on the foundation that I laid. I'm trying to pour a foundation so thick that when I'm dead and gone from this church, somebody else way farther anointed than I am is standing on this platform preaching to people and reaching souls for Jesus Christ. I'm trying to pour it thick. I'm trying to pour it thick. How do you pour it thick? You get into his word. The Bible says meditate it on day and night, not just on Sundays and on group days, but meditate on the word of God day and night. That means you got to read the Bible every day and all night. No, that's not what it's saying. But it's saying get a word and think on that word for a while. You don't got to read the word all day and night, but you've got to get some type of word from the word into your life so you can meditate on it, so that you can pour it thick in your life. Because what you put in you will eventually come out of you. And if you're not digging down in your life and in your heart and in your family and in your, and in, and in your, your, your spirit... And you're not pouring thick on the word of God. If you don't have a prayer life, if you're not coming to church on a regular basis, then you are running the risk of trying to build a life on, on, on sandy soil. But I'm asking, can we be the type of people that are disciplined? That says, if I don't feel like it, I'm still going to show up. It may snow three inches and I'm still going to show up. I, I, I may be going through hell right now, but I'm still going to show up. I may, my marriage might be ready to end, but I'm still going to show up because I know the struggle is a sign that I'm doing something right in my life. I may be walking through hell right now, but I know that the struggle is sent into my life to make me stronger. And if I don't give up now, if I don't quit now, if I keep putting that, that shovel to the soil and I keep digging down far enough to I make a place, here's the thing I want to tell you, you can dig as far as you want to. The Holy Spirit, if you, let, you allow him, he'll pour as much as he can into you. He doesn't stop just because, ah, that's pretty good. No, 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 no. He'll pour so much that it runs over onto the outside. The kind of life I want to live, I want my foundation to be so strong that the Holy Spirit is pouring so thick in my life that it's running over so other people can stand on, on the foundation that God has laid in my life until they can stand on their own. So we need to dig it down. We need to pour it thick. We need to build it high. We need to build it high. Why, why do you want to build it high? So that everyone can hear. So that everyone can see. God didn't save you so you can blend in tomorrow. God did not restore your marriage so you can blend in tomorrow. God did not do anything in your life so that you can just kind of be like everybody else. He did it so that he could build you high, not so you can be glorified. So that he can be glorified. He didn't save you so you could be famous. He saved you so he would be famous. He didn't save you so you could keep it to yourself. He saved you so you could help somebody else out of their mess, right? So when you dig it down and pour it thick, you've got to be willing to let it be built high. Let, let me help you real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end giving you three, three practical things. Let me, let me get there. I got them wrote down. I did it right before I came down. The first one is this somewhere in here. Think like you're saved. The battlefield is in the mind. You have to think like you're saved. I got a scripture, James chapter 1. I would highly encourage you to take notes. If you're coming to church and not taking notes, then why are you coming? Because you're going to forget what I said before you get home today. 
Can I tell you, I don't even know what I preach on Monday morning when I get to staff meeting. If I don't have them wrote down, I can't go back and say, what did the Lord speak to me that day? James chapter 1 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger doesn't produce the right righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil so that it's prevalent and humbly to accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Here it is. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And anyone who listens to the word but, not, but does not do the word is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look at after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me get to Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. We used to sing a song like that, Dad. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say Ain't nobody in here today. You don't even know where I came from, my roots. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The problem that I see in a lot of people's lives is we don't think like we're saved. But you got to learn to think like you're saved. Like, I'm not saying you're not saved, I'm not saying you're not going to have bad thoughts, but the Bible says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. You have to learn to think like you're saved. Sometimes you have to, you have to believe it up here before you see it out there. You've got to learn to think like you're saved. What does it mean to think like I'm saved? Well, does it, here's what it means. It don't, don't, you don't care what everybody else thinks. Like when you come in and you feel like lifting your hands, but you don't want to because you're afraid what two people down think. No, no, no. You've got to think like you're a child of God. Jesus, you're worthy of my praise today. I don't care what that joker down my row thinks of me. I'm telling you, God, you're worthy. This is what praise is. God, you're worthy. I'm thinking like I'm saying, I'm a child of God. God, I give you praise today. I can't afford to give any offering today. You've got to think like you're saved. You can't afford not to give any offering today. Because God gave so much for us. Yeah, I know you may, on paper it may not look right, but you, if you're a, you're a Christ follower and you want to think like you're saved, how can I afford not to give in the offering? How can I afford not to put a seed in the soil? Oh, I may not be able to give 10%, but I'll give 6% this week because I can't afford to miss a week. I gotta learn to think like I'm saved. When you leave this place and you go to the, to, to, to the restaurant and your servers half, 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 don't do half of her job, you gotta think like you're saved. You're gonna speak life into her. Oh, it's easy to say, yeah, man, she should do her job. I know I'm going to think like I'm, I'm a child of God. And what's inside of me, I want to put so much stuff in me.
that what comes out of me, I'll think like I'm saved. Our church, the church across our country would be better if Christians would just think like they're saved. The second one is this, act like you're saved. Kind of goes hand in hand, act like you're saved. You can write this uh, scripture down, Galatians 5. Almost out of time. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. We can stop right there. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That whole scripture is golden. I, I would highly recommend you reading it. But let's stop right there. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Yeah, leave it up there. You can go, go through what I'm talking. You can let the Holy Spirit guide your life. You want to act like you're saved? You're not driving the car. The Holy Spirit is. You want to act like you're saved. You want to, it is, you got to put on that full armor, like, like the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, peace. All that, all that, you want to act like you're saved, and it's what we talked about earlier. We want, to, we want to do good to those that do not do good to us. It's acting like we're saved, acting like we're a Christian, dying to ourselves daily. Let's think like we're saved. Let's act like we're saved. And finally, let's, let's do the last one. Let's live like we're saved. How do you live like you're saved? One moment at a time. I ain't worried about tomorrow. I'm just trying to get through today. I'm going to live my life in such a way that I don't have to open up my word, but people know that I'm a Christian based on how I respond. And let's be honest, there are some days that I don't know if people can say that about me. But I, 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 my desire is to live a life in such a manner that by the way that I walk through this city, people would say, man, there's something different about that guy. Not because of who I am, but who it is that's living inside of me. Because I did my part. I dug it down. I poured it thick, and he's building it high. I want to I live like we're saved. Here's Luke 6, uh, verse 27 through 36. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. This is, good. this is a good scripture to end on. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other to them also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them, but give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and expect to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great and you, you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And I feel like today, that if we would really take inventory of, of just how disciplined we are, or the flip side is how undisciplined we really are. That last scripture that I read, that would be enough for you to go home and digest. Would, am, I, am I loving those who can't love me back? Am I giving to people expecting something in return? Because I want to live a life. I want to live a life that makes a difference. I want to live a life where my foundation is dug so, so, so deep 
and, 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 and the power of God has poured so thick in my life that when I realize I am not blessed, but I am a blessing, in other words, what God blesses me with, I'm designed to be a river of his blessing to other people. Not expecting a payment in return. What do I do every weekend? I give you what God gives me. I'm a river. If you don't like it, talk to God. But what I give you, I try to be a blessing back to the body because what God gives me, I want to pour out to you. If God blesses me financially, I'm designed and and called to be a river that he can work through me because if he can get it to me and get it through me, he'll continue to get it in me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so how as people today, how's your foundation? Have you tried to build it on sandy, sandy soil? Temporary highs, temporary moments, relationships, friendships, money, fame. Because I promise you that sandy soil. And here's the thing I'm going to end with. In the text today, it didn't say that the storm only came to the one who built it on the sandy, sandy soil. The same storm came to the man who built it on the rock, to the same man that built it on the sand. But after the storm was done, the the one who chose to build it on the solid rock, his house was still standing. So serving Christ doesn't mean you're not going to face hard times. Serving God doesn't mean the storm's not going to come. Serving God does not mean that you're not going to face hell on earth. Serving God does not mean that you're not going to face uncertain moments. But what serving God does is this, that even if it comes, let me say it this way, even when it comes, Your house, your life will surely stand. Why? Because you chose to build your house on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm done today. Jump up on your feet all over the room today.